Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with my co-host, Chase McCallum. Um, today, we are going to start our division previews. Nothing is quite official yet. However, it seems 99% official that there will be a Canadian division. So we figured what better way to start than right there, since both the teams we really cheer for anyways are in the Canadian division. It's the one we will be focused on the most definitely this year. Um, We'll talk a little bit just about the plan. So the latest news we've heard of recording this on Sunday is that the NHL is planning to come back with a 52 to 56-ish game uh, season, and they want to start on January 13th. Now, there's still people who believe it'll be pushed back a little bit, you know, closer to um, January 31st maybe. But uh, regardless of that, 50 games or so is a good uh, – Good starting point, I would say. That seems about right. It seems like a lock, lockout shortened season. And, um, yeah, we'll have to see from there. They're, they're doing some talks about the divisions. Um, there's been a couple proposed ones right now. But between um, travel and also trying to keep the division somewhat fair so you're not walking in a bad team to the playoffs, it's, uh, they're, they're having to go you know, and do a bunch of uh, rearrangement, it feels like. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like – so we're assuming the information we have now is good, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that, like, it's, it's a fit. They stopped, um, last episode we recorded, we were talking about how Batman was trying to redebate the CBA. They've stopped that completely. So they've moved on. But now the issue is just, like, what arenas can you use? Because right now, Santa Clara, you can't do contact sports. So that means San Jose wouldn't be able to play in their home building. So who was knows how closed down first too yeah yeah they closed down at the end of last year as well first so who knows how long that's going to last but if it lasts more than a month you know you have to figure out where san jose is going to play all their home games too right yeah which is tough because i feel like that would be an easier thing to problem to solve in like ontario although i guess there's no fans so maybe it is a lot easier yeah and i mean for some definitely and like it's the same with um you know, obviously in Canada, we uh, the the whole country seems to be kind of on the same uh, kind of on the same guidelines. But um, it's I don't know. It's one of those things where there's definitely still a lot to go into it because teams are mad about travel and you know, but also just like division alignment. Like if you have Arizona, the three California teams in, and say two more bad teams into a division, and from all we've heard so far, it sounds like there's not going to be a wild card, which makes sense if you're only playing your division all year. They're going top four from each. Well, you might have the fourth team in a division just being absolutely like, like horrible, you know, like, um, I think uh, might happen in the division we're about to preview. Yeah. But like even more aggressive than that, I think at West, like if you had, I'm trying to find the um, actual uh, reports for the proposed divisions really quick. Let me pull them up if I can. But like in the, in the division we're about to preview, there's a bunch of teams that are like, in the playoff range, I would say, but if there was one scenario where I think they switched, it was, I want to say it was like Minnesota and, and someone, because pretty much of the fact that if Minnesota was in the other division, you'd be walking them to a playoff spot, almost guaranteed, which doesn't necessarily seem like the most ideal thing. No, the Minnesota wild are not that good. Yeah. Oh, it was, so it was, um, Oh, let me see. I think it was the the central maybe they they switched Minnesota with like Dallas or something like that. I don't know if that makes any sense. I I don't ge- my geography of the United States is not my uh, prime suit, that's for sure, but they switched two teams and basically someone couldn't figure it out and it was like it's probably for um um 
standing purposes just because of how bad like that one division would be right so um, there's a lot of stuff that obviously goes into it and so we're hoping that by next week we will have actual divisions because you kind of need to get these going pretty soon so um, it'll be interesting that's for sure yeah they don't have the abundance of time that they once did like it's kind of like we're halfway through december already yeah literally like the season is supposed to start and we're recording on december 13th so by their start date, it's supposed to start one month from now, and we have no details pretty much about what's happening. Yeah, so hopefully they do, because that's starting to push it. Yeah, I mean, which is why I think the reports of, like, um, not starting until closer to February makes sense. But even that would be fine if you're willing to play into July, which it sounds – or to July 1st or whatever, which it sounds like they're probably willing to do. They just don't want to go too much deeper into the summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, – Anyways, that being said, we'll get into our division previews. It's a little different than last year because last year we did a top three in the division, looking for a wild card, and then out, you know, a lottery team pretty much as our three tiers or whatever. So we'll do similar this year. Um, we have obviously out of the playoffs, teams we don't picture making the playoffs. Then we have, we're going to do the middle tier where it's like teams that'll probably be in the three, four, five, maybe six-ish area of a division. Um, you know, so those teams kind of probably not going to be competing for the division title, but, you know, anywhere in between there and then the couple teams to competing for the division title up front. Um, so those will be our three tiers. We're going to tier the teams into those and then we'll give our rankings within them. But a lot of the times it's the tiers on how we see them and then we'll go from there, obviously. Yeah. So um, this one's pretty easy for the Canadian division, the bottom tier. I think there's only one team that you could definitively put in here is the Ottawa Senators. Yep, they are pretty comfortably the second worst team in the league. And maybe even maybe even worse, I think. Like, yeah, I don't know if they're worse than Detroit. Detroit did a lot of. I don't know. We'll get into Detroit when we get to them, but they did a lot of um, addition by subtraction and just adding actual NHL players. Yeah, they did get a lot of just like bodies. Yeah, whereas Ottawa's Ottawa's difference this year is going to come from whether they. Um, their rookies can step up pretty much, which is not a bad thing to bet on necessarily. It's just not a secure thing either, right? Yeah, it's like a high variance outcome. So I uh, I would be a little afraid for Ottawa. Ottawa's gonna finish with more points than they otherwise would, thanks to this division format, which sucks for a team trying to lose games. See, I've had a debate with this with uh, I had Dom Lashison on my Sense podcast and we kind of talked about if they'd be better off or worse. And he actually thinks they're very, very slightly better in this division. Um, they have, really? I think, I believe, yeah, because I believe it was so competitive. Uh, yeah, because, well, yeah. So they um, pretty much, they have a 1% extra chance of making the playoffs in this division, but it's not by much. He said that there's also a much better scenario where they just don't get any points because this division is so much more competitive all round. Whereas when, if you would have been, if they would have been playing in the Atlantic, they would have Detroit to beat up on theoretically for four games a year, like last year, or that they'd at least have a good chance of getting points off of um, even Buffalo. I don't really think that highly of Buffalo this year again. Um, whereas this one, uh, most of the teams are just kind of in that 10 to 20 range in the team. So it's, it, you lose the high end teams in Tampa and Boston, but you also lose, lose the low end teams that were in your division too. So. Yeah, that is fair. I guess. Now that I'm thinking about it, I guess like Florida and Buffalo would probably all be the sixth worst team in this division. 
I would assume so. Uh, Florida just depends, you know, what kind of goaltending they get. But if you have to project using last year's numbers, I think that would definitely be a, a fair enough assumption. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense, actually. I never really thought about how, because I think Florida got worse too. So like the bottom of the Atlantic got even worse than it already was. Buffalo's still not really scary. So yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I think. I, like I, there's just uh, there's a very very slight chance that if everything goes right and you see like a return to form from Matt Murray, Ottawa's competitive in this division. And obviously, uh, just a shortened schedule. Uh, we should point out that for all of this, with a 50 game schedule, literally anything can happen. I think there's going to be so much more variance this year than in in any other year, right? Just because of how much less of a sample. Like it's half a year almost you're playing. So, um, yeah, but. Exactly. So obviously anything could happen, but yeah, I think the safest bet is going to be that these guys are closer to the bottom than just about any other team and probably by a bit of a long shot. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for them. They could definitely use another high pick. Yeah, exactly. They're bad. That's a good thing. I don't think it's controversial to anyone other than maybe Eugene Melnick. Yeah. And even I feel like Eugene Melnick might, I don't know. Like, yeah, I feel like the sense front office probably feels like they got a lot better this off season. But um, again, the, the way Dom put it was, they spent a lot of money and they got the least amount of outcome from that money. So they spent a lot of money just to kind of do nothing with the upgrade, um, which is kind of how I feel about the off season. You know, I like the Dadnov edition, but I think the good Branson and um, um, Watson additions, at least just from a money perspective are negative value. And the Matt Murray one has a chance to be either or, or maybe just right on par, who knows, but it's a bit of a risky addition as well. Yeah, it's really, really high risk. I never really thought about that, but I guess they did spend a whole lot of money to do not very much. Yeah, I mean, they, they added an actual payroll. I mean, they upgraded, they gave contract uh, raises to Chris Tierney and Connor Brown by about a million bucks each. Um, then they got paid 1.5 for three more years to Watson. They gave Galchenyuk a one-year deal at $1 million. Um, they brought in Josh Brown, 1.2 for two years. And then the good Branson deal... Um, and Murray. So, you know, it's a lot of money that they, they did spend a decent amount of money. It was just, they bought out Bobby Ryan as well. It just wasn't on necessarily the, the smartest things I would say, if you're trying to truly improve your team. Yeah. Which again, it, like it's a good thing. They're bad, but <laughs> yeah, for I, sure. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so I, I think this year Ottawa's just going to try and play spoiler to a bunch of teams and, and that's all they really should want to do anyways, just take a couple points off teams. We're here and there and build your, you know, get, get your rookies some playing time. That should be the goal for this team this year. Yeah. I hope they can be like a, a 48% Corsi team that loses anyway. So they're competent, but not getting absolutely freaking killed. Yep, exactly. So um, the next tier, I have the rest of the teams, but one in them. So, there's only seven teams in the division. So I have five teams in this next tier because, and honestly, like you can group the last team. I think you can group all six teams in considering it's a 56 game season, but just the, the strength of the team, I wanted to separate them. So I'm assuming you probably also have five teams in here. Yes, I do. Okay. So let's start from the bottom up. My, I, <laughs> I, I'm going to preface this where I could see literally any scenario of the top six happening. Um, again, shortened season, whatever. But I can especially see literally any combo of this five being mixed any which way, just, you know, with an injury here, a, a hot streak there. So I did my best to kind of guess. I think, like, it would not shock, shock me if most of these teams are separated by, like, under five points come the end of the year, if I'm being completely honest. 
Um, oh, not at all. And especially so, the fact that it's a 56-game season. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I know the projected model. Jay, Jay Fresh Hockey did one, and he had – his was even a bit more aggressive than I thought it would have been. And even him, the second-place team and the sixth-place team were separated by about seven points. So, um, like and, – and the first-place team and the sixth-place team were separated by um, – 13 points. So it really is not, not that big of a gap at all, you know, like, um, yeah. so I had uh, the same team. He actually had six. I had the Vancouver Canucks. See, I had Montreal. I had Montreal spot. I had them. I am fifth. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on Vancouver because I don't know. Part I of the Canucks me, might be really bad actually. Yeah. But like, like, part, part of me thinks that like, they just have so much high-end talent in, like, uh, Besser, uh, Patterson, and Hughes that it's like, well, no, they can't be bad. But then the other part of the members, even with all that high-end talent, they needed, like, Vesna-caliber seasons from Jacob Markstrom last year, and now they have Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko as their duo. Yeah, it, it, it has the chance. Like, so I have Vancouver fourth, and yet I think having them – like I, I almost want to put them six too. Like ranking this division is just so tight. Yeah, and I mean, like, so I'm trying to look at just like what they did last in ins and outs from last year. Um, Nate Schmidt in instead of Tanov is a big is a pretty solid upgrade in my opinion, especially for a one year. Um, you know, you'll get a, theoretically you should get another year of growth growth from Hughes and Pedersen. Um, but losing to Foley up front, I think, is going to hurt more than people think on this team and. I don't know. Like I just I I the the Markstrom thing is the big thing, you know. If Demko can be even the fifteenth best goalie in the league, and Holtby's just a pretty good back, like a above average backup, I think that they will be a good enough team to be top four in this division. But if Demko's even say the twentieth best goalie in the league, and Holtby's not that great either, like they're going to be in a ton of trouble. Yeah, I completely agree. I think in this super like high variance division, Vancouver's the most high variance team too. Like yeah. there's the most scenarios where I think they come last and also second in or my first, mind. first, honestly. Like if, if if again, like if Demko is good and then the the young guys just catch a heater over 56 games, there's no reason why they couldn't rattle off a bunch of wins and get first even in this division. But Yeah, exactly. And like Pedersen's an MVP candidate kind of thing. But then also their goalie was their MVP last year, who's not on the team. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's kind of where it's like there's there's a lot of scenarios in this division where it's like, hey, yeah, their goalie's going to need to be unreal for them to be, you know, good. But at the same time – or not even unreal, but it, obviously with any team, it's if their goaltending's bad, they're very likely to be bad as well. But the thing is we've seen this team only get by with elite goaltending, even in the playoffs too. So it's like – I really need to see a little more out of this team where it's like the depth comes through and it's not just four people and the goalie absolutely carrying this team to the playoffs, you know? Yeah, which I think it's it's probably going to have to be. But luckily, those four people are really freaking good. Yeah, and I mean, like, again, like that's why I think, like, if I had to put a percentage on them making playoffs, I think even though I have them as the sixth-ranked team, it would still be very close to 50%, you know, like – assuming four people in this division are making the or four teams are making the playoffs because I just think it's like they are the most high variance where it's like I could see them, you know, being top of the division or literally outside and missing by six points or seven points or whatever. Yeah, I could 100% see that. 
So, yeah, that's why I had them sixth. Uh, Montreal, I had fifth. It was a coin flip between Montreal and Vancouver. I, I don't hate Montreal's roster. Um, I thought I think it's fair to say they got better this year. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I think they're understandably a better team this year than they were heading into the offseason, depending on how they play Joel Edmondson maybe. But, like, even then – that being said, they were uh, the 24th place team that was one win away or one loss away from not even making the return to play thing because Buffalo would have had them on points percentage. So, yeah. like, even a big enough upgrade, how much of an upgrade is that going to be? That's the thing because, like, they are better. But the Canadians were way worse last year than a lot of people realize. Yeah, and I think a lot of people – well, I mean, and they did, they dealt with injuries all year too, and – the team internally seems to be viewing that as what really held them back, which again, I don't necessarily agree with, but I think the things going for Montreal is this is a much easier division. You know, they should be very happy about getting to play in this division, not the Atlantic, because you take out Tampa and Boston who are locks for the playoffs and suddenly you just open it up and you add in a bunch of teams that are like close ish to them. Maybe they're a little bit less worse, but like, you know, you really open it up for a chance to take a run at the playoffs here. So I, I definitely like their chances more in this than I would in the Atlantic division. Oh, yeah. Their, their chances got helped a ton. Yeah. Like I mean, more than anyone else. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, this probably helps them and one other team. And the one other team is just, it helps them because they can be at the top of the division, not fighting for third, you know? So Yeah, but these, the, yeah like Toronto is likely to make the playoffs to begin with. Yeah, but whereas Montreal, it's like, I think the jump is significant, but it goes from like, the jump is significant of being like the 20th place team to the 16th. And you sneak into the fourth spot here. I think like, I, I don't hate their, I like their forwards up front, but I, again, goal scoring is going to be the question. Um, I think just yep. banking on Josh Anderson to score is a very risky uh, proposition. You know, hopefully Jonathan Druin's healthy this year, but you know, Druin, Anderson, Tatar, Toffoli, Gallagher, Byron, Deneau, uh, Armia, Lekkanen, Wheel, Kakniemi, Suzuki, it's not a horrible forward core. Uh, maybe Ryan Pooling jumps up there at some point, Jake Evans as well. But it's, um, again, where, like, where are the goals going to come from there? You, 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 they really need Cockney, and Suzuki to take a look how they did in the bubble this past year. That's for sure. Yeah, they need them to both look fantastic and for Josh Anderson to fit in super well which is like yeah. a lot of if statements that need to be true. And then on the back end, you know, Weber, Petrie, Chariot, Kulak, Edmondson, Romanov, Mete. Um, it depends how they use those guys. And, you know, the, again, I think Romanov is going to be good, but they're putting a lot of faith into this guy considering he hasn't played a single second of NHL hockey in the regular or preseason. Yep. And, like, so Shea Weber is really good. But, like, if Shea Weber and Joel Edmondson is your top pairing, like, that's not a good thing. No, like if Joel Edmondson plays more than the sixth slash seventh D role, I think you're actively hurting your team and that's not going to look good. And even then, like I saw someone on Twitter boasting about like, who's got a better decor than the Habs. And it's just like, I feel like people are overrating Chariot, Kulak and Edmund, Edmondson. And like Chariot wasn't even bad last year. And, you know, I don't mind Kulak either all that much, but it's just like, this isn't a top decor in the division. And if it is, that says more about the division decor than it does, you know, this team. If this decor is used improperly, the Toronto Maple Leafs defense core, which is the Achilles heel of their team, is better than this one. I think if this decor is used properly, the Toronto Maple Leafs defense core is better than this one. Actually, yeah, I think the Leafs has to be used poorly. It doesn't matter what Montreal does. Yeah, like if 
like Morgan Riley is better than Shea Weber. I don't think, I mean, that'll probably be a hot take to someone, but I think that's fair enough to say, you know, they play different styles, but yeah. if you look just from a value standpoint, what I'd take Riley for Weber, I think Petrie and Muzzin are similar. I think Muzzin might even be a little bit better, but you could get close enough to calling that a wash, I think. Yeah, and then it's like Brody versus Edmondson probably. Yeah, like I like I was just saying I like TJ Brody over literally any of the other guys you throw forward. And then yeah, they have Romanov, but you have guys like Sandine on the least blue blue line, you know. I think Chariot and Hall are pretty equal to each other. You know, like the depth all the way down, I think is Mete or whatever. Yeah, like I, I think that's all pretty equally equal, but up front, you know, like I'd take Riley for Weber and I'd take Muzzin right around where I take Petrie probably. You know, like they're both not number ones on a team, but they're really, really good number twos. Yeah, and the important thing is you take the Muzzin-Brody combo way over Petrie and literally yeah, any other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the Brody thing that really breaks the dam on there, no matter how you feel about the top two on each blue line. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things where – and then in that, I like the Jake Allen pickup. I didn't like the extension, um, but I thought, you know, taking him, hopefully Carey Price and him can kind of split games. We've really seen Allen be successful in that kind of role. And I think it would be useful for Carey Price as well to have competition, but also just the ability to, you know, like that it's not when you're in, you have to get the wins because your backup's going to shit the bed all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. And the uh, the shortened season might help Carey Price. I think so. Like, I, I think it definitely should help older goalies like him. You know, he's 33 now, which is, you know, he's getting up there in age to the point where it's like, again, I, I've stopped questioning. I don't think he's got the absolutely elite in him, I mean, any goalie can be elite for about a seven-game stretch if you really need him. But this whole idea of like, well, a fifty-game season, he's just going to be a Vesna caliber for forty games or whatever. I think he's just past. That. I just don't think he has that in him. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I think so. On Carey Price, because I think he relates to this topic. We talked about the Canucks being the highest variance team. I think the Habs are the lowest variance team in the division because I don't see how they're really bad, but also outside of extremely good goaltending, I don't see how they're really good, but every team is really good with extremely good goaltending, essentially. Yeah, agreed. And I just, I don't, yeah, like I don't really see the scenario anymore where they have just absolutely elite goaltending if we're talking realistically about it, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, they definitely have the lowest variance where I think they are going to just be in the fourth to sixth spot in this division, you know, like, I'd be unless they find a like unless Suzuki and and Cogniemi or Anderson come in and just light up the the light the lamp right like if they can find a couple legitimate goal scorers I would feel much better about this team but like just in general I think they're gonna play a very good possession game like they have for years and probably struggle to put pucks in the net you know at a big enough rate. Yeah, exactly. But they are also going to get like 54% of the shots and whatever. So they're not going to get killed either. They're just Yeah, gonna... exactly. They're just going to probably be around 500, you know, a bit above, you know, with the loser point, obviously, and be right in the race for the playoffs, you know? Yep. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, that's why I had them at fifth. You know, you at six. I, I think it's kind of anywhere from there. Uh, again, I could see them just missing by like a point or two, especially in this division, or, you know, making it by a point or two. Um, so who did you have fifth then if uh, Vancouver is fourth? At fifth, I had the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, so I had them fourth. Um, so we had the pretty – we have same top three in some order. Um, yeah, with Winnipeg, it's it's another scenario kind of like Vancouver where it's like I feel 
it, it's like less aggressive Vancouver, I feel like, because Vancouver, I mean, Winnipeg last year to make the playoffs had to do the same kind of thing Vancouver did, except even better goaltending. Um, and the thing that scares me a little bit about this team, which I kind of almost wanted to bump them down to sick for, was that they didn't do anything to upgrade the defense core other than just re-signing Dylan DeMello. Which yeah, is I was considering concern. them sixth too. Like, like, like even if Hellebuck is still unreal this year, but goes from like what a nine thirty two to nine twenty nine, this team's missing the playoffs. Yeah, like if, if Hellebuck's the fifth best goalie in the league, this team, and they play like they did last year, this team is terrible. Yeah, exactly, and so like that's kind of what worries me. I think they upgraded up front. Um, Nate Thompson, as much as it looked like his career was dead, is an actual good defensive forward, which they really need uh, for, you know, your fourth line. Paul Statsny, well, he's not the player he was in 2018 or 2017 with them. I think that's still probably a pretty good addition. You know, it helps shore up the center depth, which they desperately needed. They really need – I don't know if they need a new coach or just they need their players to snap out of it, but if their forwards actually play like they did two or three years ago, I like this team a lot more. And I can see their players playing like that. It just – it needs to happen, and it didn't last year. Yeah, and it hasn't for two years at least now. Like, it's it's been long enough that we've all seen the flashes, so, like, you never want to count these guys out, but, like, maybe this is just who they are. Yeah, and I mean, like – I don't know. Maybe if I put a little more thought in it, I could. I, I could definitely could see them becoming sick just on the fact that Connor Hellebuck is going to need need to be unreal again this year. Because, or you know, like Josh Morrissey's going to really need to take a big step up. Because I know a lot of Winnipeg fans were mad about this, but Dom had Morrissey as I think his seventh worst contract in the NHL because of how poor he played last year. Which it has the potential to be. I think it might be a little aggressive right now, considering we also have seen a lot of evidence that he is like a good solid number two guy at least, but. I don't know. Like, he was really bad in a number one role last year. Yeah, he got absolutely killed last year. And it's it's the age-old question about Winnipeg. It's like, is this just Paul Maurice's fault, or are the players not as good as we think they are, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I don't know. This team has a lot of variance as well because, again, I could see them being a pretty pretty solid team if, you know, your, your forwards, even a couple of them just – play like they did two years ago, not last year, or three years ago maybe for some of them, but, you know, just are more responsible in their own end and and just play a more all-rounded game, this team could suddenly look a lot better, or, you know, they could play exactly like they did last year, have slightly less goal, uh, less or worse goaltending and just be very, just very bad. Yeah. Like, you so, don't want to be the team that's most dependent on your goalie in a division that has the Montreal Canadiens and the Vancouver Canucks, whose goalie was just an MVP candidate last year. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's, yeah, I don't know. Like this is another team where um, it's going to be, it's what made, I'm really excited for this division because I really don't know what to make of these teams, you know, like. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Like I think over an 82 game stretch, I would have this team missing the playoffs, especially in, a nor- in their normal division. Just, but like, Again, 56 games, all you need is uh, Hellebuck to be God for even 30 of them, and then it's like, okay, you're probably solidly in the playoffs. Yeah, as much as I don't think Winnipeg's great, over a 56-game season, it's relatively easy to see how they can make the playoffs. Like, it doesn't take anything outlandish. No, not at all. Um, And, I mean, I know we talked, you know, we did our top uh, wingers for the Canadian division a couple weeks ago, and we left all of Connor Wheeler – and uh, I think Line A was off. I, maybe Line A was just on mine. I, I think he was an honorable mention, though, if I'm not mistaken. 
uh, we left all three of those guys off. Ehlers was our only name on the actual list. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, where did this Mark Shifley being like a top five center in the world come from? Have you seen I that? Have no idea. I have seen that a couple times. And like um, Moser talked about that too when we were <laughs> like, I, I know some of our friends like Moser and Nate, I'm pretty sure think it too. And it, it confuses me because he's good, but like. He's really good. But like, yeah, I was like the whole, yeah. Like I saw a lot of dialogue of just like, man, maybe the, the people like we're talking about the best uh, centers in the Canadian division and People are like, oh, yeah, Shifley's got to be, like, top three. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, no, he doesn't. No, he's – no, absolutely. I very comfortably wouldn't have him in the top three. Yeah, exactly. I very comfortably wouldn't have him in the top five. Well, that's – people are like, if he's not three, he's got to be at least top five. It's like, well, I mean, just off the top of my head, McDavid, Matthews, Tavares. Dreisaitl. Pedersen. And I say, yeah. and Dreisaitl, if you want to count Dreisaitl as a center. Easy. Yeah, like, and that's just, like, that's five without even thinking there. Like, you know, like... Those are the best five by a mile. It's probably Shifley six, but still. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people had, I think people rotated Tavares in for Shifley or whatever. And just, like, it is what it is. But, like, yeah, people were like, oh, yeah, Shifley's like a top ten center in the league. And I, I just, I don't, uh, I don't agree with that. Yeah, no, not even close. Like, um, Tavares has not ever in his career been shelled the same way Shifley has the past few years. And it's not like Shifley's doing it without surrounding talent too, because everybody loves all of the Winnipeg Jets forwards. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I mean, we could probably argue that maybe he's not doing it with as much talent as uh, we thought he had, but uh, that being said, like, yeah, I, just, I, I was very confused. Like, I think he's, he's a good, he's a very good centerman. Don't get me wrong. He's a number one, but like, I was just shocked at how high people actually had him. Yeah, and it's the classic, too, where, like, Shifley's best years are behind him, even though the point totals are there right now. But, like, he was, like, a legitimately great play driver who was also quite productive, but that was a little while ago now. Yeah, which kind of feels like... 17, I think. Yeah, the the narrative of their whole team is, like, people still seem to have the same projection on this team as they did two years ago because they just haven't looked at any of the... The evaluation. I really think the more I do this, I think I might actually bump them down to six. Yeah, I, I would be very comfortable having them six too. I am five right now, but again, yeah. with the division so close. It's... I was yeah, I was just saying. I think these guys are all really close. And then so to me, I thought the the top three were easy enough. Not easy enough because I think two and three are really close as well, and two and three are close enough to four, five, and six. But for me, it kind of almost went if I had to tier them within it. The Ottawa and then Montreal, Vancouver. Uh, Winnipeg all had their similar issues. And these two teams definitely have their issues as well. But I feel a little bit more confident on them for reasons uh, we'll get into in a second. Uh, who did you have three? I had Edmonton three. Okay, so we reversed it. I had Calgary and then I had Edmonton two. I, they are really close to me. I think you could put them either way in this division and it really would not matter. Yeah, I completely agree. This this division's a great example for why you need to tier teams, not rank them. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, why did you have Edmonton above Calgary? Uh, just the high-end talent. Um, uh, we'll get it. Like, their goaltending scares me a lot. Uh, that is the one big question mark is going back with Koskinen and Smith. That being said, I think it's – to me, it's more of a question mark for the playoffs, not the regular season. I have enough faith, I think, after last year in Koskinen to even just, like, if he's the 20th best or 22nd best goaltender in the NHL, I think this ta- this roster is actually talented enough especially with the two guys up front, that they'll probably make up the playoffs in this division. 
Yeah, I, I'm not high on this team at all in general sense, but they should make the playoffs in this division. I I thought their offseason was okay. I mean, I, I losing Clefbaum for part of the year or most of the year really hurts. Um, but I thought Tyson Berry was like literally this is the one team that he fit with no Clefbaum in. He's going to take the Clefbaum role. He's going to be able to jump up in the rush. He's going to play power play one, which is what he's good at. And, you know, you're not going to hopefully ask for too much of him at five on five. And then, you know, so the decor is Barry, Nurse, Adam Larson, Chris Russell, Caleb Jones, and Ethan Bear. And so pretty much if you get Caleb Jones or Ethan Bear taking even a little bit of a step up, I do like the um, – I, I don't mind the decor. It's definitely not as just aggressively bad as it has been in past years. Yeah, that's that's completely fair. It's It's all right. Like, it's and good enough to survive when you have Connor McDavid, right? I just say, and I should say that's without Evan Bouchard or Philip Roberg, who also are probably going to be names that are looking to crack this sort of, uh, lineup this year. So, yeah, um, hopefully. it definitely has the potential to be at least average, I think, which, again, we talked about the decors in this division. They're not very good. You know, like, I, will take, I will take this Edmonton one over Winnipeg's for sure, uh, yep. over Ottawa's. Obviously, I mean the the only thing that could, you could argue with Ottawa is having Thomas Shabbat is probably better than any of these play out theirs, but just the aggregate is way better than Ottawa's because of how bad it gets real quick. Um, I would probably take it over Vancouver, although maybe not now that they have Nate Thompson or uh, not Nate Thompson, uh, Nate Schmidt in there. But it's, if Vancouver just has Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt each on separate pairings playing like 52 minutes a night, you'd have a hard time convincing me Edmonton's better, but we'll have to see if that's actually – I would say they're also going to have Tyler Myers playing 24 minutes a night, so I don't yeah. know. But, yeah, like and then the Calgary's, I don't know. Like Calgary's is decent as well, but they took a step back this year too. So I think it's kind of average. It's probably kind of in the uh, six to – three to six range kind of maybe. Um, and yeah. that's that's okay, considering like out front, you obviously have uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, unreal. Um, I thought I, I feel like people are maybe banking a little too much on what Kyle Turris is, but I, I didn't hate the thing. I just uh, people are penciling him in, in as like a two slash three C for this team, and I don't necessarily see that. Um, well, I think he will play three C, but that's yeah, a legitimate hole. Yeah, exactly. Like. I see a potential for him being an okay three C, but there's also the potential he is just washed and done, and he's out of the league in a year or two, you know. But yeah. well, because he couldn't do it in Nashville, and like if he's playing with like Tyler Ennis and James Neal, like Nashville doesn't have the great forward talent that Edmonton does up top, but he's not going to be getting help from those guys anyways. So yeah, like he's not driving his own line, that's for sure. But I mean, like Tyler Ennis, James Neal, Kyle Turris has the potential to be an average third line, I would say, and then like. Or Jesse Pugliarvi is the X factor on this team, obviously. True. Um, like I don't, I don't hate their forwards. They, they get. I think this is the best forward group they've ever had with McDavid, other than maybe his rookie year. But again, that says more about the forward group necessarily than it does this team. Yeah, it's more just they've surrounded him with shit. Yeah, like his career. But I mean, like their lines are going to be something like I would assume they're going to strap Cassian and. I don't know. Let, let's say they go Cassie and Chase on McDavid, or maybe they put Pugliarvi up there. Pugliarvi, McDavid, Cassian, I guess, right? And then they're probably going to go the Ryan Uja-Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and uh, Yamamoto line. And then you have Neil, Turris, uh, Ennis, I guess, and then Cahoon, uh, Chase on, and name whatever depth forward they have left on this team. Jujar Kara, I guess. It's yeah. not horrible. 
like I think that's four lines where it's like nothing is poking out where it's obviously going to kill you, but it's still just not as good as you would hope considering how good the top players on this team are. Yeah, like they have NHL players everywhere, which has not always been true. Exactly. And so we've seen how good – we've seen how close they've gotten in the playoffs or just like last year they, they technically didn't make the playoffs, but they would have over the course of an 82-game season. Um so I, I feel I feel pretty confident in saying that this team is going to make the playoffs. Um, but obviously, goaltending is a, a suspect thing as well. You know. Yeah, it's it's their their goaltending's really really sketchy. I don't think I would have a ton of faith in this team doing much in the playoffs. But I, it kind of feels like one of those teams where I would handicap that a pretty high percentage of actually making the playoffs relative to some other teams in this division. But if you had to choose, like. They might, in my opinion, they might have a higher chance of making the playoffs than like a Vancouver or even Montreal, but a lower chance of like winning the cup or going two or three divisions deep or rounds deep, you know? Yeah, like higher floor, lower ceiling kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Just because I feel like the top end talent on this team could be enough to carry them throughout the regular season. But once you get in the playoffs, it might be tough when you're line matching as hard as you can every game and your goaltenders are going to be under the microscope and all that stuff. Yeah, and you're starting to play teams with good defense scores, like through and through. As yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know. We'll see. It, it'll be something to keep an eye out for. And just also I, the other thing I should mention is there's still players that are available for, you know, some of these teams. Um, that's the other thing I'm hoping that kind of gets fixed soon is uh, – They're still good free agents. Yeah, like Mike Hoffman and Granlin are still available. Um, that Those are probably the top two. Sammy Vatnin, I think, is a free agent, yeah. though. Like it's not like he's a, out there. Yeah, so it's not like they're bad players by any means. Um, Carl Soderberg, like, it's not like there's... Yeah, there's a lot of competent guys out there. Yeah, even Ron Hainsey is like a... I don't think he'll make... Andreas Athanasiu, like... Yeah, there's, there's enough depth, guys, much depth out there, at least. Yeah, there's enough guys where it's like, none of them are going to be an absolute... Anthony Duclair's not... They're not going to be absolute difference makers, um, but, like, if you add, like, a Corey Perry and... Uh, Eric Holla to a couple of these teams, you know, maybe their forward core looks a lot better than it would, or their forward depth looks a lot better than it would before. Yeah, you can just add, like, 10 extra goals or whatever to the bottom of the lineup kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, even for some of these teams, like, um, not in the Canadian division, most of the Canadian teams other than Ottawa are pretty close to capped out, but, like, hopefully we get some signings soon because let's say we're doing a different division and we look at, like, Florida or even the Rangers maybe, like, those two teams look a lot different if they have – no Mike Hoffman or Mike Hoffman on a one-year deal. It's pretty cheap, you know, who's going to be able to chip in 25 goals or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So um, we should mention that with all the other teams. I mean, most of these teams are really close to capped out. I think other than Ottawa, the next, the next closest Canadian team is Calgary and they have one mil in space right now. So. Yeah. Nobody's going big game hunting. I was just saying, they still need to sign Oliver. Kylington with that money so yeah exactly it's not like anyone's gonna unless there's a big trade that happens no one's really gonna be uh in the market for one of the top free agents that's for sure yeah um okay then the Calgary Flames uh I have the number three just because uh honestly I felt like they had uh less high-end talent obviously up front um their X factors in net and I I really again I've said it a couple times on this podcast I really like what they did for the team this year I think long term it's going to hurt them but at the same time it kind of looks like they realize they have about two years left to go with this core and then they're going to have to figure out if they want to blow it up or not so you know like uh, face the consequences and go with it now in the easiest division I like this team I I really do um you know their forwards Kachuk, Goudreau, Monaghan 
I think Monahan is overrated or, you know, just maybe not as good as we thought he would get to, but he's still all right. You know, like same with Lindholm. Yes. As long as um, Goudreau's rolling, like Monahan's a once, there's like, it's fine having him as one C sort of thing. Yeah, they need a bounce back from Johnny Goudreau this season. Uh, he struggled last year mightily. Um, but if he plays like he has the previous four seasons to that, they'll be okay. Uh, Kachuk is amazing, obviously. Um, Lynn Holmes, not bad. I really like what they did with the depth. Uh, obviously, you love Mangia Payne. I like Josh Levo a lot. Dominic Simone, I thought was a pretty good pickup. So um, they have yep. a decent forward core. It's not unreal or anything like that. Again, I, I think um, Tanov in for Brody is a pretty big down step, but hopefully you try and replace him on the aggregate with, you know, Balamaki, Anderson, and Kylington. If any of those guys take another step up, their decor is still not too bad with, you know, and or Hannafin too, considering he's still yep. And giving above average goaltending relative to last year would be just huge for this team. Yeah, Dave Riddich, Dave Riddich and Cam Talbot is uh, was a questionable duo. James, uh, or sorry, Jacob Markstrom and Dave Riddich is a very good duo that I would feel pretty comfortable on. Obviously, even if Markstrom doesn't have the year he did last year, if he's like a top 10 goalie in the league, this uh, goaltending has been upgraded a lot and this roster still pretty solid all the way through that I see them making the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree. This is my most like off market prediction. So I'm a little worried about it, but like I see Calgary's top six, probably having a similar goals for percentage to Edmonton's top six, even though there's worse top end players, but like there's a lot more there overall. Yeah, maybe. Um, it really depends on how much McDavid's able to do with whoever he's given, I think. Yeah, because, um, like, McDavid didn't – like, with their top six on the ice, Edmonton has not exactly been killing it at five on five. Edmonton will have a better power play than this team by a long shot. But, like, at even strength, I could see Chuck's going out there with a line, having, like, a 52% XG or whatever, and scoring that'll be higher than the McDavid line. And then that evening out at like a similar goals for percentage. Yeah, probably. As as that is. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think this team's got better depth than Edmonton. I think their top six is slightly worse, but I think that will all equal itself out. And then on the blue line again, like I think Giordano. They also have the best defense in the division. Yeah. I like, think. yeah. As long as Giordano doesn't take a step back at age 37, they definitely is the best defenseman in the division and better than anyone Edmonton would have. And then after yeah. that, it's like six guys who are range anywhere kind of from a number three to a number six. And so you really need, you really need one, one or two of these young guys to step up, you know, like if. Yes. Hanny, no Brody at two will be a, a hole. Yeah. If any two of Hannison, Anderson, Valamaki and Kylington can become number twos, this is probably the best defense core in the division. Maybe you're there with Toronto. Like, because you would have legit two number twos and the best defenseman in the division, and then hopefully a couple fives or whatever, right? Like, yeah, but, but they again, do need that. Depth. I would say yeah, that's a that's a big enough ask to ask because I think people overrate No Hannafin. He's not a bad player by any means, um, but I I feel like people overrate him a little bit just because of what they thought he was going to be, not what he actually became. Yes. So I completely um, agree. That'll be something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, I, I do like this team overall. I thought, you know, they're one for one year their offseason was good, and the Markstrom addition is really the biggest thing. Um, and, and, again, like they're kind of like with uh, – even in respects to Edmonton, like 
I could see Edmonton making the playoffs more often, but when they're in the playoffs, I would much rather bet on Calgary, I think, winning a round or two or three than Edmonton at this point yeah. in time. Because they got lines that can roll. They do have that number one defenseman. It's a lot easier to see them getting good goaltending kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So um, obviously none of that is a, a lock or anything like that. But yeah, they're, they're, they're a good team. And I think once if they do make the playoffs, they'll be a team that uh, you won't really want to match up uh, in the first round with. That's for sure. No, that won't be a fun one. And like, like, I feel like I'm missing something because like every sort of odds maker, everything is way lower on Calgary than I am. But I don't know. I, I think they're pretty good in a division that is not very good. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I definitely think this to, being in this division could help them out a little bit too. Although they would have been in the Pacific where they played the California teams a lot. So maybe not. But um, I would definitely see – I can definitely see them being top three in this division, maybe top two or, you know, even first. Um, that leaves one team for both of our first, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who listens to us because we've been talking about it multiple times this offseason. The Toronto Maple Leafs, clearly the top – the best team on paper uh, in our eyes. Uh, again, the, this is – I feel like uh, going back to Calgary real quick too, I feel like people are pretty low on Calgary and, you know, kind of low on Toronto the same degree that, like, to me, Toronto is way better than everyone else, but to everyone else, it seems that they're like anywhere from first to fifth. But with Calgary, it was like a lot of people just had them fifth or sixth. And like, I really think Calgary is top three team on paper in this division. Yeah, I, I completely agree with both of those statements. Um, yeah, with Toronto, you had a very interesting tweet about the idea of like, it's easy enough for a, a scout to uh, tweet from his basement or whatever, or tell someone from the athletic from their basement that, uh, they think Toronto's too soft to play against, so that's why they're fifth. But they should go ahead and actually just switch uh, first-round picks with Toronto if they really feel that way, which uh, I, I thought – I think strategy Dubas should be aggressively pursuing. I don't think any GM would actually do it, uh, honestly, just because I feel like for both GMs, especially with how random hockey can be, like you look at last year, say the Leafs did that last year, well, suddenly they're – I mean, and they didn't have a pick last year, obviously, to do it with. But it's the exact same kind of idea, right, where it's like if you're just swapping a pick without getting any kind of player in in with it, one GM is going to look stupid. And say it's last year where it's like Toronto ends up looking stupid because of a technicality where they didn't actually make the playoffs because of the fact that um, uh, there was a worldwide pandemic, you know? like Yeah, no, it's it- – so a lot of ways it could go wrong, but like I think it's a plus EV play. I guess I don't know. It just feels it feels unnecessary in the in terms of like if you had total job security, I would agree. It feels like an unnecessary risk in a business where you it would take one bad year and some teams to lose your job. Yeah, you would also to do this. You would need ownership to understand that sometimes smart decisions don't work out, which is probably team dependent. To be perfectly honest. Yes, and I mean even for like a smart organization like MLSE seems to be, I mean, is just overall their course of their teams. Even then there's at some point where it's like, yeah, okay. Good decisions might always work out, but it hasn't worked out for you five times in a row. So how long can we keep doing this? And some, again, some people might just be like, yeah, let's just keep going. But in a business, other people are might just be like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So yeah, they might say after this, but, but yeah, um, like I, I do think a lot of people are unnecessarily low on Toronto and they are clearly the best team in this division. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at that with even the players. Like, people are debating the best centers in the Canadian division, and to me, I think Austin Matthews is a clear number two, but people were just outraged that you have him over Dreisaitl. Like, I just, I, I don't I, I don't get it. Like, you know, like, it's just like, 
I get that people don't like how much the Leafs are talked about, but it is crazy how some of their stars are legitimately underrated. Even John Tavares, like the dude put up what a 47 goal season the other year. And people are like, Oh, this guy's washed. Like he's, he's got nothing left. It's like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Well, it's weird with like, because it's really weird with Tavares because, like, I'm not going to say he's lovable because he doesn't really say much of anything, but he's one of the least hateable people in the league, and yet people are super low on him for no apparent reason. Yeah, and it's not like he didn't have a great – I mean, the thing is, his down year, quote-unquote, last year for points, he put up 60 points in 63 games. You know, and, like, people yeah, are like, down on that. It's like, okay, like, I mean, I guess. And, and he, he spent half the year injured, too. It's just like – I, I guess, man, like, but even heading into last year, people were down on him. It's like, he just had one of the best seasons the Toronto Maple Leaf had ever had, scoring 47 goals and 83 points in 80 games. Like, yep. like I, I just, I don't know. I don't understand. Like, this is definitely, to me, especially with the upgrades they made at Blue Line this year, this is the best roster on paper. And we always, you know, every year you see just because of the best roster on paper doesn't mean it uh, ends up that way, which is fair. But, like, I just, there's not really – a weakness, an obvious weakness compared to the other teams in this division, which is why I think they're clearly number one here. A hundred percent. And like, so Matthews is probably the best, like if you're forecasting, I think the smart money is on Matthews to be the best goal scorer in the league next year. Probably. Yeah, I would assume so. People are going to keep saying Ovechkin until he doesn't do it. But I just, in terms of like, especially like efficiency Matthews, I would say. Yeah. And then like you look at Matthews was who was, already proven he's one of if not the best goal scorers in the league and then last year this guy who was touted as a two-way forward put together a great defensive season too like that should be really scary to the other teams in this division based on how many other good players this team has like just how good Matthews was last year yeah I mean like their top six it's just Marner, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews plug two guys along with it go Hyman and Mikheyev I guess but then you have Kerfoot, Simmons, VC, Robertson, Spezza, Thornton like that's a solid bottom six as well. You know, they really, they rounded it out. I don't know how much Simmons has to give, but I think if you have some combo of Kerfoot, uh, Robertson, and I don't know, pick one, Thornton maybe on the third line, or even, he could even be VC. I think that's an okay third line or has the potential to be, obviously given what Robertson is. And then your fourth line is something like Spezza, Thornton, and Simmons. It's one of the slowest fourth lines in the league, but uh, it'll be effective, I think, in keeping the puck. And, you know, like, that's all you can really ask for. And it'll probably chip in a goal or two here or there, too, which is what they really needed last year. Yes. Although, hopefully, they won't need it as much this year with Tavares and Marner regressing more at five-on-five. Like Yeah, but, like, I mean, just, just in general, in the in, if you get to the playoffs and you're playing McDavid and Drysaddle on your top two, you're going to need your depth. It's going to depend on who, whose depth can score more at times still, right? So, and that's where yep. they, they really struggled that last year. Their, their bottom six in – you know, we, uh, I thought Kapanen and Janssen were good players, but, um, you know, their, their bottom six really struggled to produce anything when the top guys weren't on the ice. Yeah, it was it was not great last year, pretty much all around. Kerfoot was like – Kerfoot and Spezza were the two bright spots, but they're staying, so that's good. Exactly. And then on the blue line, like the TJ Brody in for Cody CC, words cannot describe just how big of a difference that is. You know, Yeah, like, that is freaking huge. I think the miss – um, Tyson Berry a little more than maybe people think. I, I really don't think Tyson Berry was quite as bad as people uh, 
gave him credit for considering he played pretty well under Keefe. He wasn't like, he's not, he wasn't Pete Tyson Barry or anything like that, but I think they'll miss him a little more than they actually expected. But again, a decor of Riley, Muzzin, Brody, probably Hall, I would assume. And then Lettinen, Sandine, Dermott, and then Bogosian as, you know, choose the, those four for your bottom two rotating in and out. That's a pretty, uh, hopefully Bogosian doesn't play too much, but the other three seem like it could make up a pretty good bottom pair. And that's a really good decor, in my opinion, or a, a pretty good decor considering how good the forwards are. Yeah, it's like it's a decent to good decor that, when coupled with an elite forward group, is basically all you need. Yeah, I would say it's probably in like the ten to fifteen ish range. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Like it's not I, one of the best in like, the league or anything, but there's just yeah, a lot but, of competent people there. Yeah, exactly. I feel like people laugh at it, but it's like yeah, it's like I think some models are even a little higher on it. Just you know, given what Dermot may be done or Sandine could do. And I know like models like TJ Brody and Jake Buzzin a lot as well. So, you know, um, but yeah, I would say they're probably 10 to 15 ish. Like, and, and then their division, I would say they're top three. I, I don't yeah. really, I don't think you can name three better decors in this division. No. And they finally have everybody playing where they should be. Yeah. It's not maybe Justin Hall. You could argue you want to see him down a little bit, but like he's a number four, I would say a four or five. And, you know, well, he if played he, with Muzzin last year, and he was really good. Yeah, and, and, and if he's, he's not a four, I would still say that uh, Dermot has a really good potential if he's not already of being a four. People just don't feel him like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I really like this team. I, obviously, that's not really a secret. And that uh, they need a bounce back from Frederick Anderson. He just – he wasn't really good last year. He just – he wasn't the goalie we've seen the past three years from him. Um, so they really need a bounce back from him. Again, yeah. if he if he's like the tenth best goalie in the league, this team is really good and clearly the best team in their division. I think. Yeah, and I think that's right around where you should forecast Freddie to be. Like, I don't think he'll be the best goalie in the division or anything, but as long as he's slightly above above league average, like he has been for the vast majority of his career, they're a scary team. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, like there was an argument for over the first three or four year stretch he was in Toronto that he could be like the top a top five goalie in the league just on the basis that he is legitimately fifth because he's always just going to be fifth. Like, you know, you're yeah. not going to get any better than that, but you're not going to get any worse. But last year we saw worse than that. And, you know, I still think he could be, if he's the yeah 10th best goalie and having Jack Campbell should help as well. Yeah. Um, take some starts, you know, for the first time since that I can remember with this Toronto team, really, you have a backup where you trusted playing because even when McElhaney had that amazing season, Babcock still did not trust him and kind of rightfully so in my opinion. Yeah, the guy had like 14 bad seasons in a row and everybody was confused why Babcock didn't trust the guy because yeah, he had 10 good games. Exactly. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that uh, having Jack Campbell should help Anderson a little bit, but it'll all come down to playoff time with this team. You know, I, I really – this is the only team I would be absolutely shocked to see if they miss the playoffs, if I'm being completely honest. Unless they, like, yeah. lose a couple guys to injury, obviously, or COVID or something like that. But Yeah, and the the classic caveat is, like, anybody can miss the playoffs with like a bad PDO or whatever, but like the Leafs got pretty bad goaltending last year and they were still a playoff team in a better division than this. So like it would take a lot to go wrong for them to miss the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like um, they would need legitimately like, uh, like literally probably a couple big injuries and, you know, bad goaltending. So. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like a Matthews injury and then Freddie playing that again, and that might start a spiral or whatever, but. Yeah. But uh, like just in general, if we're assuming decent health for all of these teams, I just, I really, 
if there's four teams making the playoffs in this division, I really I don't see too much of a way where all the other five teams we mentioned being close enough are that much better than Toronto, unless Toronto just their star players aren't their star players, which I, I don't know. Like if Tavares took a huge step back, I guess, but I there's been no evidence to suggest that anything like that should happen. So Yeah, it's one of those things where like you can't really forecast them to miss the playoffs because like for them to miss, it's like, well, Matthews is hurt and Freddie plays bad and whatever. But it's like, well, if McDavid gets hurt and then Koskinen and Smith suck, Edmonton easily missed the playoff. Like, you play the what-if game for every team. Yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah, for this one to miss, you have to play a, a, a very aggressive what-if game. So, yep. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think the models would agree with us, too. I think pretty much every model I've seen has Toronto as relatively overwhelming favorites. I think Dom said he had Toronto winning the division, like, 55 or 60 percent of the time which again might sound low to people but like that's really high yeah for a 56 game season it, it's it's aggressive you know like yep and they they're the the fifth cup favorite i believe using uh, an aggregate of different betting markets yeah somewhere than any other team in this division yeah somewhere around there and i mean uh i know i know for dom here i think he was their sixth best team seventh best team just in terms of like the actual teams, right. yeah. So, I and I again, I would agree with that. I think I think he said fifty percent of the time they win this division, but it was something also like said. I think seventy five percent of the time they make the playoffs. Which again, like you say, oh well, how is it only three and four? It's well that the fourth time it's just a disastrous season or whatever that like everything goes wrong. But still, um, yeah, I don't. So that's our division preview for the Canadian division. Um, we're hoping that the, the other divisions are announced by the time we record again. Uh, it would be nice to see some info on this. You know, the NBA seasons, the preseason's already started up, and they have half their schedule set out already. Um, so hopefully the NHL at least just gives us what freaking division people are playing in. I don't even need the schedule. Yeah, that would be very nice to know. Um, I'm just curious at this point. It doesn't even really matter until we do the next podcast, but I just kind of want to know out of pure curiosity. Yeah, no kidding. Like, Well, it's because we're, we're a month away from what the proposed season is. We don't even know what – divisions teams are going to be playing in let alone how many like if they're playing you know or who they're playing or whatever right so yeah but yeah i don't know we'll, we'll keep uh, obviously keep everyone updated and you know hopefully we have some news by the next podcast so uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, as always you can check my work and chase's workout at lastwordonhockey.com uh, you can also check me uh, my workout at milehighhockey.com i should have something out on colorado and how their proposed division might affect them um and then you can check my workout at lastwordongaming.com. I posted a piece yesterday, um, well, Sunday, I guess, technically, um, so probably yesterday while you're listening to this, about why the Juggernaut in Warzone needs to be fixed or taken out because I am sick of it. So if you like Warzone, check my stuff out there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff, Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you all next week.